welcome back to Grace Unscripted. As always, I'm your host, Ben Falkenberg. Thanks for tuning in as we dig into the lives of God's people and see how he's moving outside the walls of the church building. Today, I'm joined by Angel Dagg from Rahab Ministries. Angel's a special woman, and she's got an incredible passion for Jesus. And her story, as we talked, is one that it kind of breaks your heart, but also makes you smile as well. You see this incredible picture of the relentless love of God. You see, Angel began to surrender her life to Jesus as an inmate at the Summit County Jail. And now she lives a life of freedom with one goal, to show Jesus to the lost women of Akron. And I tell you what, man, Angel has been deeply overcome by the love of Jesus. So much so that as we talk, we could barely say the name Jesus without her being brought to tears. Trust me, this is an episode you don't want to miss. It's pretty awesome. Welcome to Grace Unscripted. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Uh, When I spoke to you on the phone for the first time, I realized immediately that I'd met a new friend in life. And I've been looking forward to this one to, to get a, to get in here and, and talk to you for a while. Um, okay, so you have been employed by Rahab for about f- four years now? Pretty close. And you've been kind of involved with Rahab for almost a decade. Yep. Um, and we're going to walk through your journey and kind of ha- how you came to be involved with Rahab. But before we do that, I want to I spend some time and educate um, the listeners. So the listeners are probably, for your sake to know, uh, a lot of the people that go to this church. We have 5,000 people at this church now, so... The goal would be that this is going to educate them on what Rahab is, um, because I think it's so important. Um, I know if 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 you're an attendee of, of Grace, you've probably heard Jeff talk about Rahab before um, from stage or whatever when we talk about kind of where um, some of our money goes as a church or whatnot, because Grace supports Rahab Ministries. Yes. Um, and I know people support them personally. Tanya and I have supported Rahab Ministries for a couple years now because Tanya was at... I can't remember exactly what, what, what she was at, but she came home and she was like, you got to look into this with me. So she pulled it up and she was like, I think this would be something that I'd like to support. And I was like, yeah, like, how do you say no to that? Like, awesome. I think that that sounds pretty cool. And then she started baking cookies and she would drop them off downtown at the Rahab spot. That's awesome. Um, and so I think it's incredible organization. And, um, and I have three daughters now. I have, a, I've talked about them. I have a four year old, a three year old and a, a six month old. So, um, it holds a special place in my heart now as a daddy of three girls, um, talking about the importance of, of women and stuff. So I want to just educate people. I think this is going to be such a fun time um, for you guys as listeners to kind of plug in and, and hear what Angel has to teach us here. Um, all right, Angel, so what is Rahab? So Rahab Ministries is reaching above hopelessness and brokenness, um, which is exactly what we're doing in this um we're leading people to the real redeemer, uh, who is Jesus Christ, um, who I'm absolutely crazy about. Yeah, we're good. This is going to come out quick. There's both of us. So this yes. is cool. So um, anyway, so Rahab from the Bible um, was a prostitute. To Joshua too. That's right. And she was spared because she knew who the one true living God was, which is exactly what he's done for my life. So we have a drop-in house, uh, which I love to call the Rahab house, okay. and I've been going to that house for 10 years. Um, and there's women that come off the street um, that are trapped in addiction, prostitution, um, all kind of different stuff. And they're able to come there to a place that is filled with peace and rest, and there's no judgment, and they can get food, and they can. Uh, we sit like a family and then get clothes and personals. Um, we just want to wrap ourselves around broken women and uh, love them just like Jesus would. That's pretty cool. So, um, so let's go through some of the some of the specifics of okay. it. Okay. So Rahab, it's it's unapologi- unapologetically Christian, right? Amen. That's our that's the mission of Rahab is Jesus centered. Right. Yep. Um, it's a nonprofit organization that's devoted to some of this is off the website. I'm cheating here, but like you said, restoring and um, (laughs) rescuing victims of sexual slavery and exploitation in Northeast Ohio. That's right. That's an important thing. I think for people to realize we're not talking about like all over the ends of the world right now. We're just focusing on rehab is in Akron, Ohio. Amen. It was started in Akron, Ohio. That's right. Um, So I I thought this was pretty cool. It says Rahab began addressing human trafficking before human trafficking was even really a term that people were aware of. That's right. And they were kind of at the forefront. Um, So started in 2002. Rahab, I didn't know this. So I think when we hear Rahab, especially church people like a lot of listeners will be, 
we think of, Je- of Joshua too. We think of Rahab, the prostitute. She's can uh, she's in Jericho, right? Yep. So this is fun. I, I actually read Joshua too. I'm own because I'm going through Joshua like Amen. two days ago. So <laughs> so um, let's just talk about who she is for a second. So um, God God is working through uh, through His people, His promised people of Israel. He's leading them into the promised land that He's brought them to. Um, to Jericho and Joshua, the leader sends out spies that go like, Hey, let's go check it out. And they get there and Rahab, the prostitute takes them in. She hides them from the, uh, the King of, of Jericho. She's like, I don't know where they're at. She hit them on a roof. And, um, she says, I did this because I know who the real God is. I've heard stories of what your God did, how he parted the Red Sea. I've heard stories of him and he is the one true God. I, I believe that. And the cool thing about Rahab that struck me right away is that she understood a mercy in God before they really ever even talked about it. Amen. So all all they would have known in that ancient land was they would have heard stories about Yahweh's people on the move, the true God's people on the move and what he's done for them. And it was a lot of devastation towards other people that were in the way. But somehow she picked up in that. Um, I believe God laid it on her heart oh, that he's yeah. a merciful God. Um, and she said, remember me when you come. Remember me and my family, and they, right. and they swear on him that they will remember her, and she's saved. Then if you fast forward, this blows your mind. Do you know when the next time Rahab's mentioned in the Bible? This oh, is awesome. Yeah, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. The first page of the New Testament. Amen. Matthew 1, the lineage of Jesus. That's right. That's right. I think it's— um, It I, is. Matthew, I think I wrote this down somewhere. Where is it? Yes, Matthew 1, 5, first paragraph, New Testament— Rahab, right there, lineage of Jesus. If that's not a picture of where we're going to go with with the grace of Jesus, that that this prostitute working in Jericho ends up in the the first page of the New Testament. That's pretty cool. Okay, (laughs) so Rahab started in uh, 2002. I didn't realize it was an acronym, too, so Reaching Above Hopelessness and Brokenness. So that's a pretty catchy thing she came up with. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. Um, So Rahab was founded by Rebecca Moreland, who you know personally. Yep. she kind of found some hope and healing in her own life, and then she put her faith into action, started Rahab, and said, I'm going to go start serving women in the streets of Akron. Yep. That she Jesus. went out with a piece of construction paper. Uh, I believe it said, Jesus loves you, and had her number, and she passed them out. That's what she did. Yeah. That's how Rahab and she started. Got, and when I've heard her tell the story, she said, what am I going to do if they call? What, if I, what am I going to do if someone calls? And, and God just led uh, that all to what it is today because the true ministry belongs to him. Yeah. Um, but she had a heart to go out for women that were trapped on the street in prostitution yeah. and um, show them love. Yeah. That's awesome. That's yeah. incredible. I isn't love it. it. <laughs> I, I, so um, I spent some time kind of on Rahab's website. I wanted to be educated and informed to try to help inform and educate the uh, the listeners here Amen. um i this is fascinating to me i had never thought about it like this so when i hear the word human trafficking is what rahab's fighting against yeah. human trafficking i get the picture of people being taken trafficked all over like you're thrown in a van you're taken to idaho whatever but rahab would step in and say no we have a very different a very different definition of of human trafficking that's right um because no one grows up and says, I want to be sexually exploited. No. So we're going to say any person that's in that is is being trafficked that's because right. no one wants that. No one wants that's that. That's incredible. I had never really thought about that. And so um, we would look at like any type of like forced sexual slavery, any anything, even a woman saying, I'm going to start seeking money through prostitution. You're being trafficked because you're you're walking into a life that you feel trapped into or else you would have never walked into that. Exactly. Which which is kind of unique. All right, so let's talk about what Rahab does. Um, first thing I want to talk about is the mentoring. So how does Rahab mentor women that it would go out and seek? So we have amazing volunteers, um, amazing volunteers. Rahab. So people would, aren't paid; they just give they, their time. They give their time. That's pretty cool. And they come. Um, where I've seen the uh, mentoring really take off is at our adult safe house. Um, which will have been open uh, just in a few short weeks for four years. Which is in downtown Akron. It's not. Right? No. Oh, the safe house. No, it's Yeah, right. that's yeah. in a safe place. Yeah, the safe place. We're not going to give that one away. <laughs> right. We'll talk about the, the drop-in center. That's in downtown Yeah, Akron. that's in downtown so Akron. So the safe house. So yeah. keep going. Sorry, so, I was wrong. So we have women that live there that have been rescued from human trafficking, and, they're go- and they have all kind of um, amazing um, opportunity for um, being 
healed from the inside out, which needs to start in the inside. I totally believe, yeah. um, so that you can get that stuff in there. That's all twisted up, untwisted yeah. through the love of Christ. Um, and the women, so we have volunteers that will go out there and, and become mentors for our adult women. And, um, they just build a relationship together and it's, you know, all built on Christ and, they work in the Bible together and they have coffee together and they, and they become really good friends. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have um, volunteers that come to the drop-in house and um, it's a, it's like a big mentoring session, I guess I would so call it. So now we're at the drop-in house. Yeah, so, and so the, women, the volunteers come there and we just want to serve these women. We want to be a part of listening to these women. So there's more listening than talking okay. um, and, and just want to be a part of um, extending exactly what Jesus extended when he was here. Um, and, and which just means, um, making, uh, the truth known. You are a beautiful daughter of the mm. most high King. You yeah. are more than a conqueror in Christ. You know, you are the head and not the tail above and not beneath. Uh, so, um, we just like to come around and, and the staff, absolutely the same. Um, we are just one big family of, um, helping broken women see, mm. uh, that they get their worth from him. Yeah. yeah. So the safe house, let's talk about that for a little bit. Let's do it. So women who have been rescued from this, they go, they live there full time. Like they, do they yes. move in there? Yes. They move so it's in almost there. like a, it's almost like a therapy center. Well, essentially. It's, it's like kind their of, home. It's like, okay. Yeah, yeah. So let's take it. That's cool. Yeah. That's even farther. It's yeah. like, no, this is your home. Yeah. You're not just at the therapy center. It's that's your home. right. That's yeah. your home. Get with the program. That's then. right. <laughs> um, so that's cool. And then they have people there. They're like, hey, we're going to build a home here. That's right. And we're going to love on you. Yes. And how long term is that? At two years. Two years. Yes. So is it a commitment up front? Like you're going to be here for two years or is it like that's the limit you're allowed? Like how does that work? Well, that's the, that's the you know, I guess you have to have a cutoff point. And so that was what sounded good at that time. Gotcha. You get to two years and you're doing well and, and you need an extension. Absolutely. You know, once you get with Rahab, I feel like we're just family for life. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so, um, so, no, there's not a commitment that you have to. They're laid out what it is, and it could be up to two years. And, you know, and, and each individual is different. Um, uh, but we definitely want to hold you to... Uh, be in a place where you can be healed so that you can come back out to society and live in a successful life because there's only one successor. You can only be successful through him. him. Yeah. Okay, so that's the safe house. And then you talked about the drop-in center. Do do women live there? Or is that only, like, so it says drop-in. I'm guessing they just drop in for dinner, for... yep. Bible studies. That's right. Do they do, like, therapy stuff there? Like, what does that look like? So Mondays and Wednesdays we have a... um, a program called Soup and Shop, which okay. is absolutely amazing. Um, now, I know that the table that we have there is not the one that Jesus really sat at, but it really feels like it. <laughs> it just looks like it's something he would add. So it's this big, long table, and we invite women in, any women that can come out, whether you're coming from the street or we're picking you up from the Orient House because we pick up from RCC and also uh, CBCF, which is a correctional-based facility that's oh. kind of jail rehab. Like or not, not rehab, rehab, rehab. Gotcha. Um, so um, they are also invited, and we go pick them up and also take them back. Uh, okay. Women come in off the street. So what we do is we have uh, like a Bible study to start, and just kind of you know getting the Holy Spirit running up in there. He does his own thing. We yeah. just drop the truth right, <laughs> right out of his his book. That's right. And um, after that, then we all sit down as a family, and um, we have amazing women. Uh, that voluntarily make these amazing casseroles, and um, they're brought to us, um, I think it's every month. Um, I'm just learning this part. I'm just getting down there uh, from being in the safe house for almost four years, but um, so they, and then we will take out a few casseroles depending on how many women we have, and then we serve, serve drinks, serve um, you know, Kool-Aid, water, tea, you know, whatever it is that uh, they feel like they want, and uh, we eat off plates, real glasses, real, cool. real silverware, you know, and just and loving on women, just loving on. Them. So let's say that. So you work there now. You were at I the did. safe house for four years. Yep. Almost. And you recently have just, you're Transition. employed by, by Rahab and I now am. you're going to be, um, working at the drop-in house, I am, which is pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Let me ask you this. Um, do these women come to you? Do you go out and find them? Like, how does that work? Um, kind of both. We have a street team that goes out and prays for women. Okay. Um, like so just goes up, meets them, prays for them? It, it all depends on the the woman. We we don't want to press anything. We don't want to. So, you know, they'll be asked. Um, I did the street team when I started out. Yeah. <laughs> I was all excited just learning, you know, just I'd always knew about Jesus my whole life. 
But when I went out on the street, I was a little much. Yeah. <laughs> I had to learn like, to you bring it on down it, a little yeah, bit. Tone it down, eh? um, but it was it was really awesome because you meet these women on the street and you just, you know, you you ask them, can we pray for you? And if, and if not, and they and they don't want us to pray at that point, um, you know, can we pray when you go when you walk away? Yeah. And you know, the answer has always been yes when I was around. Yeah. Um, so we just kind of uh, walk on the streets and praying around Akron that God just continues to make a change. That's cool. Um, and bring those broken women to you know healing yeah. like. He does so they'll find out us about about us through that um and you know uh, rahab's been around i want to say 16 years now and um so it's been all word of mouth uh, and just women coming and one of the most popular things that we hear about the uh drop-in house which i love to hear is they don't feel judged that's cool they just feel at peace yeah and, and i love that and welcome. that's right so are, are these teams are they all women that going out or do men um on the street team there's always a, a one or two men that'll come and while the women are praying over women out there on the streets and stuff they're kind of just the lookout and also you know yep. praying to keep um, everybody cool. safe and uh we have a ministry uh men's ministry that comes in and uh once a month they grill out and oh, serve cool. the ladies and, and clean. man it's so cool we yeah. have such a great time um, so yeah, there's some things that men do, but you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of our volunteers are women. Yeah. Which yeah. is totally understandable to be expected. Yeah. Um, all right. Now Rahab's also involved in some jail ministries. Yes. So let's, can we talk about that? What Ooh. does that look like? That looks exciting. <laughs> so, so what does Rahab do? So Rahab, we have a volunteer volunteers that go in and they, they schedule. Now there is a, um, uh, roster that comes out for the Summit County Jail so that we can kind of keep an eye on that, you know, our women that come through rehab and, gotcha. you know, maybe hit a bump in the road mm-hmm. and, and they have to go back to jail or whatever, whatever their circumstances are. And then we'll make, um, uh, you have to schedule the... Like a clergy visit. Yeah. yeah. And you have to schedule those. Okay. So um, through the jail and then we go see the women. Now, way back in the day, it was through glass. Um, I haven't been in jail myself for over 10 years so i don't really i I hear it's like on a phone and a screen now okay um but we just go and visit and just kind of just do what family would do yeah that's cool so so when someone comes and visits um so when rahab sends you know a worker to go visit someone in jail do they always have like a previous relationship or could they just show up and be like hey i just want to talk to you about jesus well, um, I'm not even sure that it, it's just kind of going in there and talking. I, I don't know that we've all known all the women, but I have. I just um, the only encounter I ever had myself with in the jail was when I was there. Yeah. That's how I found out. Okay. Um, and the only thing that I really and that's remember, when Rebecca, the creator, that's came. Right. To you. So did yeah. you know her before that? I didn't. Okay, so she just straight up came. Yeah, and we were um, talking for a good amount of time, but I had been up for so many weeks and months i was yeah. still in a cloud yeah. and what i really truly remember that day is her looking at me and telling me that jesus loved me right where i was i saw that in the video and this this is so we're going to put it so we're going to put a link up on the website to your video awesome, um, awesome. and my favorite part of the whole thing is it will actually the whole thing was incredible <laughs> one of my favorite parts was uh they said hey angel there's a clergy <laughs> visit and you said what does that mean and they said someone's here to talk to you about jesus and, it's, and you said that you ran, ran because you were so excited to hear about him, which yeah. is, that's pretty wild there. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So um, you guys also do like pen pals and stuff for people. Yeah. You, yeah. People write that will write the pri- uh, people still write, jails. People still write le- letters these days. Yeah. yeah let's go. I think we're emailing now. I think yeah. we're hitting Okay. So you're emailing. Just kind of trying <laughs> to keep in contact, stuff yeah. like that. Yep. Okay. Um, now, th- I want to ask about this. So what are ways that someone listening to this would be like, what is a way that someone could be involved to help? So um, we're always needing volunteers. Volunteers. Um, so we have trainings that come up every three months. Okay. Uh, we have one coming up in November. So where are these trainings? Um, well, this one's going to be in Aurora. I'm not really sure. I know that if you get on our website, it's all laid out for you on there. Okay. Um, so if and, you, I don't know the exact website, but if you just Google Rahab, Rahab Ministries, Ministries yeah. it'll pop up, whatever yep. it is exactly. It and it's right the up. first thing right up there. Yep. Okay. Yep. So, so volunteers. Yep. So they come through training and then... Really, it's really a calling from where God would have them. Yeah. Um, you know, he's really setting the people where they need to be. Um, so they'll go to a training, and then from that point, they'll, you know, whatever is laying on their heart, whatever boxes they check, then we have an essentials training. After that, we have, like, a more intimate uh, training with people that might be interested in the Rehab house, maybe be interested in the safe house. Um, but um, it's from 
cooking meals, to writing letters, to mentoring, to um, serving at the um, serving the women that we serve down at the drop-in house. Um, baking cookies, like baking Tanya, cookies. That's, that's right, yeah. right. All that stuff um, is huge um, to a heart of a broken lady. That's cool. Yeah. And then um, donations, I would think, would be so people can get online and sign up to to give to Rahab. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Which is important because it's not for profit. I mean, this it takes money to make things that's happen. Right. That's right. Um, and so I know Grace Church is involved in that. There's that's been a awesome. partner, which yes. is pretty cool. Yes, um, really cool. You know, I this is actually cool. I so I listen to a lot of podcasts and um I have a couple that I listen to which are other pastors preaching every week and my favorite one is Matt Chandler. He's a pretty famous pastor out of um he's by Dallas, Texas or whatever. So he's, he's out in Texas and uh he was talking about Rahab ministry. How what? about that? He, he was oh. like, so this is Akron. He lives in Texas, and he and he was talking about the importance of like being involved in things that catch your heart. And Amen. he was like, he was like, yeah, we learned about this thing called a Rahab ministry, and he's like, and we've we've decided to like play a part in helping out with this in some awesome. ways. And I was like, wow, that's incredible. Yes. Yeah, it's like way over in Texas, and Woo! he's talking about the Rahab ministry. Um, <laughs> I love it. All right, so <laughs> volunteers, donations, yep. even just advocacy. I was reading on the website like. I think this is really important. Like, this is something that needs to be talked about, right? I think Absolutely. I think what we've seen in our society the last uh, decade or so is we have started to shine light on things like, um, like in the last couple of years of like sexual assaults and stuff. Like we see all these high up dudes getting busted with sexual yeah, assaults, right? And the light's been shined on that, but the light still needs to keep being shined on like the trafficking of women and children and stuff like that. And just like, this takes money. Like this is a fight that's not going away. No. It's getting worse. It is. And so we have to be very intentional, intentional about um, raising awareness of this, raising finances of this, that's right. securing, setting, uh, setting time aside to, to be involved in that. And so um, if that is something as a listener that you would like mm. to be involved in, just con just look at the website. There's, Get on the website, Rahab Ministries. There's contact forms. There, it makes it very easy for you to give money to or reach out and say, hey, you know, I think this is something that I would like to to pursue. So that's definitely Amen. something that, that you could do. Or if you are here at Grace and you just want to come and have a conversation about it with somebody, there's people here that are able to talk to you and kind of lead you in the right path there too. transition now from not just what Rahab is, but what Rahab has meant in your life. Um, so let's start with this. And, and this is a, a pretty cool story that I have seen a little bit of. How did you, let's just, let's start with how you met the, the founder of Rahab. And let's look at that, what that looked like, and then kind of transition back to how you got there. Yeah. And then come full circle with where it's led you okay so what year would you have met rebecca did she go by rebecca or becky 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 morland Morland, yeah so becky morland the creator of rahab ministries yes 2008 2008 all right you meet her yeah where are you at i'm in the summit county jail okay and i'm completely broken yeah uh basically had asked god to kill me or save me Hmm. but don't let me live like this anymore um, I remember the first time I said that, I ended up in a paddy wagon. I said, hold up a minute, God. <laughs> but I didn't want to be saved the way he wanted yeah. to save me. But thank God that he doesn't listen to me. So you feel like God took you off the streets? Oh, yeah, for sure. Got so you I landed in the Summit County Jail. My chariot was the um, was <laughs> the van, the, the paddy wagon. And off to jail I went on March 31st of 2008. And I woke up on April Fool's Day of um 2008 for the first time in my life I felt I just might be worth more than what I'd been doing to myself for 23 years um strapped in alcohol and drugs prostitution for six um which I was forced into prostitution but once I seen how fast the money could be made yeah. uh with that monster living on the inside of me huh. um so what did you actually what did you land in jail for uh I believe that time was prostitution, and I had two um, 
warrants for my arrest. Okay. So that kind of yeah, uh, plugged me right on in. Okay. So yeah. let's talk. I, I alluded to it for a second here, but I just want to talk about how you met Becky. Becky, yeah. So what, what does that look like? Uh, so I, I was in there about a week, I think. Um, how long were you? Did you get? Did you have a court date? Like, did you get sentenced for a while, or are you just in there hanging out? Like, how's that work? Well, I was just in there hanging out at first. Okay. But sounds like court, a fun place but, to hang but, out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you want everything taken from you, <laughs> stripped down to an orange suit. Yeah. Uh, but I think I'd been there about a week, and um, I remember my name coming across the uh, in, uh, intercom, and it was like, "Dig, you have a, a clergy visit." So I look over to the girl next to me. I said, "What?" is that and she said oh some lady wants to talk to you about jesus and i flew up the stairs because i needed to hear about him i knew him my whole life but i just felt like he got he had something better to do and um so i get up there and i see this beautiful lady on the other side of the glass and she's got this big smile on her face becky it's becky moreland i didn't know that for 11 months though i just knew this lady came and I, she had said a lot of stuff to me, but the only thing I remember is her saying, Jesus loves you. He mm. loves you. And I held on to that. I needed to hear that. I held, I hold on to it today. And um, I remember uh, going to court not long after that and being sentenced to 390 days. Mm. And they were sending me over to a place called Glenwood Jail. And I had made a request. Hey, whoever that lady was that came to talk to me about Jesus, I want her to come over there. And uh, But, but it, the, the message never got to her. Hmm. Um, so for, uh, 11 months, pretty close to 11 months, I believe there wasn't a day that went by that I didn't think of this lady. There was something about her and I needed to know her. I needed to know her. And what I found out is when I met her was it was Jesus. Hmm. I was drawn to him. Yeah. And so, uh, about 11 months I, I did, I ended up doing about 190 days. And when I got out, I was court ordered to a place called legacy and, um, through circumstances there and people that uh, I really believe God was leading their hearts for me. Um, I was successfully discharged from that place, but the lady, um, the caseworker at the time just believed that I was going to help lots of women. And I kept thinking, who are these people? Why do they keep saying that about me? Yeah. Cause I didn't think I was going to help anybody. Um, I had had a past just all jacked up, but a family that loved and a mother that never stopped praying for me. Mm. And so about 11 months, I found uh, this article, and I was like, this is the lady I'm looking oh, for. Oh, you found it? Where was where It was, was on the front page of the Akron Beacon Journal, and oh, she was, was with another Rahab, Rahab sister for me. She was talking about another Rahab sister that, huh. that was um, going to get her face reconstructed. Were you like, I can't believe it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is her. This yeah. is her. And a friend of mine that lived across the street called me up and said, hey, that lady keeps showing up at this house across the street from me. Wow. And that Friday... He says, he says, she keeps showing up every Friday at three o'clock. And I busted through the door that next Friday. And I said, I'm stalking you all the way through earth into heaven. Yeah. You're stuck with me. Yeah. And uh, so Becky, when she tells our story, says, uh, she stalked me for six years and I finally hired her. Yeah. So that's how you get a job. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So she's been stuck with me ever since. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So I want to talk about your childhood. Um, kind of walk back so you yeah. are from around here you were born in Hartville Ohio yeah. I was born I, in, actually I was born in St. Thomas okay I, yeah, I, yeah I lived on Delia for cool. five or six years yeah, so you so you're from around here yep. what was your family life like oh man listen got a mom who's crazy about me and my sister and I I've got a brother also there's no half-stepping in my family yeah. he's my dad's son but he's my brother yeah um I just love him with all my heart uh, my parents are still married today um, cool. my dad provided um we didn't go out we didn't you know have um we got, we were taken care of far beyond, uh, but there was some dysfunction, yeah. you know, and, and that created, um, uh, let's say hurt inside. Okay. Were um, you a Christian home or your parents Christians? Or just um, good people? Well, what, like what were they like? My mom's definitely all the way, um, for Jesus. Um, okay. we weren't raised in the church. Um, but my grandmothers both, uh, loved and served the Lord. Um, and my grandma, they used to sit with me when I was a little girl and go through the Bible stories with me. And my two favorite were, uh, the man and the fish. And I later Jonah. learned it was Jonah. Yeah, that's and, cool. Um, and I thought, man, what a place to be. That's so cool. And then when I got in the belly of the fish, I said, okay, now I see why this is not so cool. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> so, and then the other one was a, just as a little girl, all I comprehended about Jesus was that he came and walked this earth for me, and that was enough. That yeah. made my heart smile. 
Mm. But it was when I was in the Summit County Jail, I really realized what happened at the cross. Mm. And it blew me apart. That's... And I'm sold out for him. Yeah. So, cool. uh, yeah. Um, so there was some, um, my dad grew up in a pretty verbally abusive family. Okay. So he only knew how to give that at, at one time, yeah. but not today. Yeah. My dad and me are best buds. That's so cool. I've yeah. talked, um, I've been part of a connect group here called Man Up, and it's about trying to help men walk in the, um, in, in the plan that God has for them. Amen. And one thing we've, we talk about in that is that like men reciprocate what they are raised in. So if you're raised in a home where you see verbal abuse or physical abuse, like a lot of times that's what you know. Yep. And that's what like a family life looks like to you. And you kind of just continue the cycle and the cycle, whatever. And um, we have to look at men holding them accountable of like, these are your actions. Like you can't, you can't treat your family like this, but there's also the, the part of it that we have to understand of like, you learn what a father looks like, and if you don't see it well, that sticks with you. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a, a process to, like, reteaching people, like, what life actually okay. is supposed to look That's like. That's right. Um, and it's all centered around who Jesus is and, That's like, it. his plan for us. Um, but that, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I hear that when you saw that, it's a little bit of a tangent. When I hear you talk about your dad, like, that just hits home because it's it's been such a, a thing on my heart for men is, yeah. like, I want men to be who they're called to be, you know, because they're dealing with the women of, of God, you know? Um, so that, that's interesting. So, so your dad, he, he never realized it. Yeah. It was, it was, you know, for him, it was normal. Um, but now he's the kind of dad that'll text me and tell me to be safe and how proud he is. That's of me. cool. And we talk on the phone and we have family day on Sundays and we play games. Family days are the best. That's oh, cool. Man, we've been starting to, do, we've been starting to do that on Sundays too. It's like, oh, man, sometimes it's like life is so crazy and work and, I work some nights. My wife works some wives. We got three girls. Yes. Like you're, so we're like, dude, we got to set Sundays aside. And so we've started doing that, being like Sundays, like I'm allowed to cut the grass. No, no huge projects. Just Amen. like cut the grass. <laughs> I kid. If we go to late service, sometimes I'll wake up and work out in the morning. But other than that, man, like we get home and it's like, let's, let's be a family. Let's hey, like be very purposeful. Awesome. We're going to have ice cream on Sunday nights. We're going to go do something fun, you know. Um, and that's been fun. And I think Tanya was talking about, she was reading this. She was like, people would say that's one of the most important things you can do as a family as your kids especially get older, even when they're teenagers and they don't want to hang out with you anymore. Yeah. Sunday is like, hey, we're eating dinner together. Every Sunday night, we're going to go out and do fun stuff. So that's cool. So, all right. So your dad, I'm glad you have that now. That's, oh, that's cool. and let me tell you, during growing up, we went to all kinds of places. Disney World. Disney, I mean, we went places. Yeah. You know, we went to, you know, my dad was a great provider. He's still a great provider. So I moved from Delia to Hartville. So Hartville, I was there till I was almost 13. And at 13, then you make a bigger move. Yeah, we moved. So you to go to Flagstaff, Arizona? Arizona. So why did you guys go to Arizona? My dad was a long-distance truck driver. That's what he retired oh, okay. from. And um, so Flagstaff, Arizona was uh, where a few of the families from Ohio moved to. Gotcha. And uh, what a... Wow. Just <laughs> that like was a, a an wow. eye-opener moving out there? I, so what I, was a wow about it? Well, when I first heard about it, I never felt fear, and this fear just began to attack me. Like when you learned you were moving? Yeah, like, what are these kids going to say? And, like, it's uh -huh. like, oh, my gosh, did I know that I had red hair my whole life? I never <laughs> felt different from anybody else. Yeah, but what are they going to say And all of a sudden, it? I'm like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? And uh -huh. uh, what I didn't know at that time is how powerful the tongue is. And um, so I spoke death all over my life, on the, all the way down there, worried about what the kids were going to think. Were they were going to be my friend? What were they going to say? Did they think I was ugly? Did they think that? And you're 13. And, and I'm 13. And my mom, who would have loved to probably keep me out of school forever because she didn't want to see me scared as I was to go, um, is the most amazing mom who sent me to school. And um, I was bullied. And um, I started to become tough inside myself, uh, willing to you know do whatever I had to do to protect myself. Uh, but I, but what really m like messed me up was the things that people said to me. Hmm. Um, I began to wear my hair in front of my face because everybody told me how ugly I was and nobody, you know, and so I thought, wow, nobody should have to look at this ugly face. And so I started wearing my hair in front of my face and, uh, just being talked about, uh, by the age of 14, um, I was exploring and. Other activities, uh, by now I'm a, uh, I drink and I smoke cigarettes and I smoke weed. Hmm. And uh, I, 
we're living in this place and we're going to transfer into a, a place called Fox Glen, which was more into town uh, from Kachina Village where we lived the first year. It was so we transferred with our house not being ready yet. We stayed with uh, uh, the guy that I had been seeing and his family because they all came out from here, uh, Ohio also. Um, and one night he crawled into the room and uh, I was scared. Him, huh? I was very scared. Yeah. And I told him, no, I'm not coming out there. And he said, well, then I'll find somebody that loves me. Well, at that point, I got afraid to lose him. Yeah, um, I didn't know um, that he could have just went on about his happy way. Um, instead, that fear grabbed a hold of me. And um, so, from the very word go, with that, uh, any kind of sexual thing in my life became. Um, I, I didn't know how to connect because I wouldn't connect. And uh, after that, pretty much, I just started giving myself to so you're boys, like fourteen and, and fifteen at this yeah. point, and. Um, you know, they're kind of throwing me out like weekly trash. And I, I become exactly who they say I am instead of who Jesus said I was. Hmm. Um, and then from there, um, I've been uh, raped. I don't even think I have a count on that. Um, so, and that started out there um, in Flagstaff. And, and the more that these things happen, um, I was in uh, every relationship I've ever been in is uh you know, all my, back then mm. was physical or, um, you know, vocal yeah. abuse. And uh, it got to a point that when it was verbal abuse, I, I would more or less beg to be beat because that stuff healed up and what they were saying was destroying me. when I stepped into that mess and then from there I just was trying to give myself away for somebody to love me just somebody somebody yeah. anybody love me and that just turned into a lot of abuse both yeah. physical and verbal Man. yeah um, I ended up married at the age of 21 oh so you got married at yeah 21. I did he went to prison and okay. I consummated my marriage with someone else because I wasn't really uh, understanding that he needed to be there during that yeah. I'm just a kid <laughs> I've been through this crazy oh, life man. By the skin of my teeth, I, I, I actually um, received a GED at a job corps at 19 years old, but my life is in disarray. Yeah. Uh, so by the time I meet him, because I'm always looking for this knight in shining armor, he's on his way to prison. But we were together um, years before. He ended up marrying the woman that he'd been with for 11 years. I didn't even know about her until two weeks after. Yeah. But I was so desperate of believing that I was no one without a man mm -hmm. that I held on to him. And so now he was uh, physically beating both of us and mentally beating both of us. Wait, so you, so you got married, but he was already married? No, we, he was already divorced by that time. Oh, when I, I first got saying. with him two weeks later, he married her. And so he's trying to live a double life. Oh, wow. Uh, he had total control of me. That is unbelievable. Yeah, he beat me to inches of my life. One time I thought, several times, but one time especially, uh, really? I remember asking God to tell my family that I love him because I thought he was going to kill me. But he let go. He was choking me, and he let go. And then he started laughing. And I just remember feeling like this always. And around men, I just really felt um, that I deserved what I was getting. Man. He beat it in my head. That is unbelievable. But at the end, um, from what I hear, I ended up divorcing him after I moved back to Ohio in 93. Uh, I think 94, 95, I ended up divorcing um, had this amazing guy that God put my life was an attorney and uh, he was like a family attorney and he helped me get a divorce uh, but I heard later that my ex-husband um, uh, got sick in prison and was released after 10 years instead of 18 and what I was told was he came out like a child and he gave his life to Jesus and oh, when wow. he, so he's passed away now and mm. um, it, I believe he went to heaven that's that's incredible yeah Huh. He redeems. Yeah, he yeah. does, doesn't he? He does. That's incredible. Yeah. So you come, okay. So that I don't want to keep walking your story. No, that's bit. fine. So you, um, you transition back to Ohio at like twenty three. Uh, Is that what you said? Twenty three. Yeah, I was twenty three. I moved so out at thirteen. You, came back ten years later. So would you, like, did you move out of your like? You're describing this like horrific stage here. Are you living at home? Did you move out? Like, oh yeah, but I'm it? not. I don't have. I'm, I don't have anything of my own. My mom. 
uh, paid for an apartment for me one time, and I thought, oh, well, I'm grown, you know, but my mom was footing the bills. Yeah. Did you, so, like, did your parents have any idea you were going through any of this stuff in high school? I don't think to the extent that it was happening. Okay. I think my mom probably knew more than any. My dad was a long-distance truck driver. So he was, he, he was really just trying to provide for the family. He missed a lot. Yeah. Um, but... I think to an extent, I don't know that, you know, my mom surely doesn't know everything. She, yeah. A mother doesn't need, but she probably knows more than what she should have learned about me, uh, but loves me like crazy. Mm. I got an amazing mom. She's like my best buddy. That's that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. So you moved back here. Does your whole family come or yep, just you? Yeah, the whole family came. Okay. So you did? And I wasn't going to come. Okay. So I was living in Tucson to be closer to this husband. And, um, and during that time, I got a phone call, and I was staying with some amazing people that probably didn't have any room for me for real, but they love me. We're still like family today. I just love them. That's cool. Um, but anyway, so I get this phone call. It's my mom. She's trying to talk me to come back here, and I'm, you know, pretty much my mom was the person that I knew loved me and I could get anything from. So I'm like, oh yeah, I don't. I'm staying here. I have a job. I have a husband. I have a, my place. And the real truth was that I didn't even know how to put J-O-B in order and actually knew that I was supposed to work there to even get a check. Yeah. I knew nothing about being responsible because I wouldn't listen to what my parents tried to teach me. Um, and then, you know, my own place was with my amazing friends, but that was their place, not mine. Yeah. And, and and I was married to a man that had 18 years, and I was sleeping around because I was so broken inside. I was just trying to get something to fill that. So he had 18 years? He did. He got oh, out. Oh, you, yeah, you mean so your husband went to prison? For 18 years. For 18 years? Yeah, we got married in the summer, or the Arizona jail. Oh, man. Yeah, handcuffed and shackled he was. Wow. Yeah, and I left and consummated my our marriage without him because they took him back to jail. Oh, my. Yeah, I was a nutcase. <laughs> That's unreal. So he's in jail, so you're married, yeah. but your husband's not around. Right, so I'm there now living to be closer. He's asked me to move closer, so th these wonderful people that are my family, they're actually my family, I love them. Um, you don't have to be blood to be family, right? <laughs> so, um, and, and, and my mom's trying to get me to come back, and I'm just like, oh, no, I'm not doing all that. And then, like, I, whenever the next call that came in that day, next day, whatever it was, it was my dad. Hmm. And um, I remember thinking, man, he must love me. Because my whole childhood, I didn't think he did. Yeah. And my dad didn't even know I felt that way. Hmm. He found later at my first, um, I did a, I spoke at an AA meeting. Okay. I was a year sober. And I told my dad, I'm really sorry I didn't give you any props up there, Pop. But, you know, all my life I, I thought you thought I was ugly and didn't love me. And that's, I remember my dad, I remember him crying. And he said, how could you think that? Yeah. So. Man. Yeah. So, but, so, so I get this call. I'm like, man, my dad's saying to come back, and I'm yeah. 23. So he's saying, come back to yeah. Ohio with us. And then his I last thing is, hey, if you help me drive these two cars back, we'll get you a new car off the lot. I'm yeah. ready to come back now. <laughs> We're getting a new car, and I yeah. thought that was going to fix all these problems I've got. Because um, I'm doing this whole thing on my own. I'm not listening to no adults. I'm not, you know, I'm an adult now, supposedly. Yeah, you're 23. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I make my way back. Um, I learned a lot in that time. It was very crucial part of uh, building who Jesus was building in me then. It, I had a best friend, and she was dying of AIDS, and I didn't really know anything about it. And I was really afraid of her because yeah. of that. And um, I remember she died when I was um, taking my car back up before I moved to um, Ohio. I was taking the car I owned to sell to a couple that I had met. And while I was there in Tucson, she was back in Flagstaff, and they passed. And, I, and I, I skipped going to see her. I was going to see her when I came back. And because when I went over there, I, I, I never experienced death so close. And um, I remember going to her gravesite before I came back to Ohio. And I remember talking to God and saying, educate me on whatever this was. Because I never want to walk away from another person that needs me. Hmm. And I'm all educated now. And by yeah. his grace, for whatever reason... Um, I made it through hell with Jesus, and I'm healthy on this side. So I'm going to sit in that for a minute. Like, you're back here in Ohio. Yeah. You're 23, um, and you just start unraveling, it sounds like. Yeah, I'm a hot mess now. What, so how, what happened? Like how how do you like how do you go from, 
you're like, all right, I come back. My, my father loves me. You're kind of learning. And then you just, things just kind of like fall off the edge. So oh, what happens? Man. So I realize that when I'm pointing my finger back with the ride back to Ohio saying, I'm getting away from all these fools. I'm going to be good. That in the program, they taught me the three pointing back is the real fool. So hmm. about 72 hours into Ohio, um, I'm standing in the parking lot of a bar in Kent. And I said, oh my gosh, I'm the fool. Hmm. And I'm still looking for the knight in shining armor. I'm trying to find everything in the world to stuff inside of me to make me feel love, make me feel worthy. And all it's doing is building this big old black hole inside of me. And um, I'm swirling around, but nobody, you know, I'm trying to keep it all together on the outside. I'm not telling anybody what's really going on. Yeah. And so eventually. um, So you start. You were you were kind of messing around with some stuff out there. Is that is this what you say at this point is when you start like, kind of like, you're starting to look at drugs and stuff hardcore. Well, I, I started was... smoking crack at the age of seventeen. Jeez, I was in Arizona, Man. and I thought I had it under a handle. We were yeah. just doing it for fun, um, and I I was on it for about a year. Okay, and I quit cold. Like Did I you really? quit, but. I was still drinking and smoking weed and ecstasy pills, and I'm thinking, man, I'm okay. Yeah, I can I'm do all this. Then I go to Job Corps, you know, drinking and partying there, and I get my GED, so now my head's really big. My whole attitude is don't talk to me. I have a GED, yeah. and, I, and I'm a mess, hmm. but I'm not admitting any of it. Yeah. So I'm thinking, man, look, I got a GED. I was able to quit smoking crack. I, I just thought I had this thing. Well, 10 years old, later, because one of I found in my life that one of the – uh, uh, very skilled things that Satan has is patience. And, yeah, uh, he, that's interesting. Yeah, to he, say laid, it that way. he laid. He uh, laid very patient. And when he, the attack came ten years later. Um, I guess I was like a roach that got smacked on its back. It can't get back over. I couldn't get back on my feet. Hmm. And it just and went it out of control. Took me out. Met a guy who said he was going to, you know, protect me. And he beat me and put me on the street. And then from there, I beat myself. Yeah. Uh, because it was feeding an addiction that I couldn't tame. Hmm. There's this wild beast that was living inside of me. And all I could feed it wasn't enough. Um, and so for the next six years, I spent selling myself. And uh, when I got sober, a year and a half of it, I was selling myself. Because I didn't know how to do anything. I, and, but while people told me I would never make it, Jesus just kept whispering in my ear, just keep focused on me. And so I'd go to Becky. So you felt that. Oh, yeah. And I'd go to Becky because Becky always kept me pointed to the Father yeah. after I met her. After She's been in my life now, forcibly, I guess. But I yeah. guess she loves me now. So I don't yeah, guess. Yeah, that, let's parachute back on that. So you, you're back here. You're... You've kind of fallen into all that junk that we talked about. Um, drugs, alcohol, you're selling yourself this and that. They pick you up. You end up in jail. You yep. get out. You kind of have the – you come back to Becky. You meet her. Yep. Let's pick up the story from there. Okay. So how does Angel from the picture we just met who's caught up in alcohol, drugs, prostitution, all this, how does Jesus – start that transformation what does this process look like and how did rahab impact that so i go to becky and i'm all you know she's my mentor this is that friday where you see her yeah right? I see the her. first time okay and i basically tell her you're stuck with me yeah like you're gonna have to see me yeah. i need you yeah and what i found out was that it was jesus in her hmm. i was attracted to that yeah. she just displayed it so well yeah and she imaged him oh man and i used to come to becky and i'd be like i'm look what i'm, I'm doing this this and this wrong and she'd point out, but look at this, this, and this that you're so doing So it wasn't right. a light switch for you. I mean, it wasn't just like one no. day you're just, but she stuck with you patiently. <laughs> and was she was trying mess. to keep you focused on like small. Never judge me. Yeah. Always pointed out the good in me. That's so cool, huh? Never thought I had any good in me. So, all right. So when do you, when would you say like you received Jesus in this process? Like how does he, when does he come in where you realize, okay, like who I see in Becky loving me is Jesus? Like when did you be like, when, I want, it, when Jesus sent her in me? Yeah. When like, I was a little girl. Huh. And I asked him in my heart. And he never let go. He never did. That's pretty cool. He never does let go, does he? That's one of my favorite pictures of him. I used to, when we were leading Young Life, and 
people would ask like, well, what happens if you do this and that? And, that? and I was like, <laughs> Jesus, when you ask him into your heart and you hook with him, he like puts a thing around your, your ankle and you just, you just drag him around. You that's don't even right. realize it, but he doesn't let you go. <laughs> that's right. Okay. That's, that's so cool. Yeah. So he's with you this whole time. He's protecting you. And you've talked about that. I've, I, I've heard you talk other platforms about like those places that you found yourself in, like oh, yeah. you shouldn't have lived. Yeah, places I, mean, I fell asleep. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't really fall asleep. I I just landed and fell out. Yeah, just like lost consciousness places. Yeah. But some days like, I think out. one time I was up. I want to say it was two weeks straight. My body was just out of it, and it finally you didn't just sleep fell for out. two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. I was just doing hallucinating. Drugs oh my god! Yeah, it was a hot mess. I thought all I thought there was like everybody in Akron was after me, but there was nobody there. Yeah, but I seen them. And then you just. <laughs> Fell into like a nap after that, like a well, coma. I fell into a, is that a crack coma? Is yeah, that what they call that's it? That's right. I fell into a crack coma. And How long does that last? Sometimes it can last days. I'd wake up that and it'd be three or four days later. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. It's like a hibernation. Yeah, and I'm talking about wow. Somebody could have punched me in the face and I wouldn't have woke up. You would have had no idea. Yeah. But he protected you through that. He did. There was things that happened. I was brutally raped. Yeah. I've um, heard you talk about that mm-hmm. before. Yep. I come face to face with him in Akron. And today, I don't have any ill feelings. God mm. took all that. Yeah. I just, I am so crazy about Jesus. That's incredible. And, it, and without Rahab and Becky, who invested in the daughters of God, like they do still today, mm-hmm. I would not be here. Yeah, Rahab yeah. Ministries is the heartbeat of Jesus for me. That's pretty cool. Yeah. your life like when when do you say as an adult that you are like this is the path I want like this is who I who I have been and when is it that you come face to face with the decision that that's kind of your motto of like second Corinthians 517 like I am a new creation like (laughs) how does that happen how do you how do you get from 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 what you were struggling with to be like I am I am a new creation from this point forward I will be a child of God. How, when does that happen? It was rocky. Yeah. <laughs> when God. Well, um, God's. It's messy. Like, oh man! I've listen, talked about this. I'll like stuff and slide all over the place well, now. Sure. I mean, you look at people in the Bible. Like, I think we have this like hyper. Uh, we have this absurd picture that a Christian is like this perfect little person in this little community, and they drive. You know, they got a white picket fence. Like, no, no. Like, if you look at the main characters of the Bible, yeah. there was some rocky Woo! stuff, right? Look I mean, at Paul. He should be Saul. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Or <laughs> Moses. I mean, oh, Moses killed a guy. Yes. Right? David took Bathsheba, and then had her husband killed. I mean, God's grace is not just to the people who are not messy, no. you know? Um, I guess my question would be, how does that come to be? How, how does Becky kind of put this into that Jesus kind of breaks down your barriers and was like, because you, you, you would say... My whole life I've been looking for love. Like, I've been looking for love. I've been looking for love. And I've gone all these places. When is it that you would say, oh, there it is. Like, Jesus is that love. Well, I believe that he touched me on April Fool's Day. Okay. Um, like, I feel like he put a feeling in me, I should say. Okay. And by the time I 2008? It, that, that was 2008. Um because God knows a fool when he sees one, right? So he's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. he sobers me up on... Yeah. Um, he's got a great sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. so I love him. But I go on to Glenwood Jail, and I was in there. I made my to trustee status, and I was um, I was standing in the trustee door, and I was in there by myself, had the Bible open, um, and I just remember two hands laying on me. I just remember God touching me, and I had this feeling that I never felt before, and it was it was it was love. Yeah, and, and I you do, physically I, felt yeah, that. Yeah, I physically felt it, and I said to God, <laughs> "I'm going to slip and slide all over this path, yeah. but I'm not picking up drugs and alcohol because with you I can do all things." And um, I think that was the real moment. Yeah. Uh, but you know, like I said, Becky had been on my mind. I just didn't know who she was yet. Yeah. And during my stint at Akron U, um, here's a school that said I could never come back unless I could pay for my own classes because I messed up all kind of money. Yeah. 
And they just kept sending it. And one day they said, we're done. You mess up one more time, it's over. And I did mess up because I wasn't willing to tell them the truth. Yeah. And so they said, don't come back unless you can pay for your own classes. Well, when I got sober, I did not have that kind of money. I still yeah. They don't own that kind of money. Um, but God used the very guy to grant me back the money. I graduated a straight-A student from Akron U in 2012, and they gave me the money to graduate. That's cool. Yeah. And I'm now, you know, in a program paying that back. But how I remember being in a house on Black Street. I lived there seven years. Um, it was the very neighborhood I prostituted and all that in. Hmm. Rahab House was right in front of me. I was 450 behind them. They were 450 Matthews in front of me. That's wild. God was showing me in every way I was on the right path. And I just remember before I got into Akron U, um, the guy calling me on a Sunday saying why they weren't going to give me this money. And I remember being um, waiting for the appeal to come back, and I lost the appeal. Now this is after I'd went to school yeah. for a semester, I made or for a year, and I made straight A's. I remember tearing this card open like, "Hey, ma, I don't know who Dean is, but I made his list, right? Yeah. This is looking good." <laughs> and then they take the money from me, and I remember them saying that there was no way back from this, and that's when God put me back in the path of the guy that said I could never get the money again. But I remember sitting on in the attic and and I was crying to God, "What do you, what's going on? You know what what's going on? What's happening?" Yeah. And I remember looking out to the street from the attic window, and I remember seeing Dirty Red. That's who I was, out in the street. Dirty Red, that's what they call me. That's, that's the life I displayed. Mm. And I remember making a decision that day that I'm angel, I'm chosen, and I'm going to stick on this narrow path awesome. no matter how much I mess it up. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm still on that path. Yeah. My feet are glued yeah. to becoming more and more. Of the image of Jesus, just like Ephesians five one says, yeah. be like, yeah. imitate that's God. So, that's so cool. Yeah, I, I I've talked about this with Doctor Fisher, like, and we use an analogy to describe kind of like God's work through His redemptive work throughout history. But it it's personalized too, of like, God puts you in in His river, yes. and you're going to take some crazy turns, and the stuff doesn't make sense, and you're going to decide to go here and there in these little streams. But He's so patient, and He's so forgiving he yes. just always pushes you back <laughs> to the main one right and yeah. you just keep flowing and he just keeps you yep and that's that's pretty cool yeah so what are you doing now for rahab like what does your daily life look like man i am right where i'm supposed to be i have a absolute overflowing abundant love in my heart for the streets of akron down in the dirty gritty lost dark streets of akron um, I just always say, man, if Jesus would just come back and visit for a hot second, he'd be down here with us. Yeah. Um, I just want to display exactly what Jesus has done for me all these years. Mm-hmm. I want them to know that right now, right where you are, you are loved so recklessly by the Lord. He paid a price with his life. He spread his, he, he, he splashed his blood out to make us clean, a debt we could have never paid. And I do that by living the life that God has called me to, to the best of my ability. That's awesome. I do it the best that I can. So I'm down there at the Rahab house, and I'm loving on these women, and we're having lunches together, and we're having Bible studies together, and they can shop and get clothes and personals. Um, We have some open hours that they can come and sit Cry, talk, laugh, drink coffee. Yeah, um, I was born for the streets. That's cool. So and you, I'm finally uh, on the right so side. So are you are you in the house a lot now during the day? Is that where yeah. you you would say like I have to go to work today? Does that mean I have to yep. go to the rehab house? That's right. And you're just there. And I'm there. And we have programming during certain times, and we have open hours during certain times. And I and slowly but surely, the women are coming in, and I know they're I know that God's pressing on their heart. Yeah, because they we've never been open. You know, some of the hours that I'm there now, and we're just being like two sisters. Isn't that so cool when you start to see God pursuing someone's heart? Man. It is the neatest thing. And, like, so I, I work at a hospital in Canton, and, uh, you know, some of the, some of the guys I work with um, is starting to see God pursuing their hearts a little bit. And, Amen. like, they'll ask me questions and stuff. And, and it's such a cool thing to see. You're like, oh, man, like. He's starting to move here a little bit, and just 
like, I want to be a part of this. You know, I think that's such a cool thing that I've seen in my life is like when you see him move and you know it's him, it's like there's nothing more addictive in the world than seeing <laughs> Jesus know. start to take over someone's heart. And it's 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 usually slowly, right? He doesn't Absolutely. move as fast as we wish he would. Yeah. <laughs> and it's sometimes it's messier and it has all these roadblocks and stumbles and all that. But like when he sets his foot down, like he just kind of stays there. It's like in cruise control. And Paul, he says, like, he started the work. He's going to finish it. Man. Yeah. I, Paul's one of my favorites. Oh, he's, he's the Peter's best. Peter's my favorite. Peter's your favorite? I love Rahab. Yeah. Of Rahab's course cold. I love her, right? Yeah. <laughs> Peter's great because Peter just, he says what I would have thought I at know. all. He just says whatever. That and is. Jesus just looks at him and like, again, really? And then you're just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just like all of us. And then Paul's just like such a train wreck. And Man. then he gets, um, he gets turned around. He I does. I, I think it's so cool, like just hearing you talk and you just have such an appreciation for the grace of God. I do. And, you know, I think it's, it's, it's really good for like someone like me too, because this like if from a worldly standard, if I would look and be like, I was never in the darkest spot as angel. Like I didn't, wasn't out there, but it's like, I was dead too. You know, like I was, I was definitely dead. Oh yeah. You know? And so growing up as I grew up in a, a Christian home and I, you know, I, like, how lost was I? I never really, it's like, oh, I was 100% lost. That's right. You know? And I think we were all 100% oh, lost. And maybe sure. our earthly details look look worse, and we were in some darker places here and there or whatever, but, like, there's only, no, light, we, there's we only one come, life for death. That's right. right. We come down to the very same lost, dark place, yeah. no matter what brought you there. Yeah. And there's only one shining light yeah. to lift you up out of that hole and set your feet on solid rock. Yeah. And that's... Jesus. Jesus. All right, so let me ask you this. I'll, I'll get you out of here on this. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, I guess just the only thing really on my heart is um, my strive for this life is to make God pleased. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I love hearing is when people say, I knew you before I ever met you, and everybody said I was going to love you, and all you talk about is Jesus. Cool. I want people to see him before they ever see me because mm-hmm. yeah. I'm a train wreck still. <laughs> yeah. But I just love when people say, yeah, I know Angel. She's Jesus freak. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. She loves Jesus. Yeah. I mean, yeah. hey, there's nothing better to be known for, right? That's right. I love one of I've adopted this from a, a pastor I like named John Piper. And I think this is such a cool motto to have in life is that he would say, God is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in him. And that's such a cool thing. God is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in him. And so that if the world can look at you and say one thing about you, it'd be like, she's satisfied in in the Lord, you know, been satisfied in the Lord. What a, what a cool thing to be known for. Do you know Francis, Francis? I do know Francis Chan. I don't know him, but I've read him. But yeah, I know him. I don't really know him. But I would love to. Francis Chan's crazy. Like, He's a wild man. He's so, my favorite. Yeah, he's a wild man. But what drew me to him and made me want to listen to him all the time was he held the Bible up in his uh, YouTube video that I was watching one time. He goes, I don't know. I just take this thing literally. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's my favorite. It's true. Because yeah. that's what I do. If it says it, yeah. it's black, white, and red in that Bible. Yeah. No yeah. other color. Francis Chan will say, hey, I have a 10,000-person church. I'm going to get rid of it. <laughs> so Francis Chan has started um, doing – have you – seen what he's doing now yes so he he basically cut off his mega church and now he yeah. started all these home churches yeah so it's like front porch churches so yeah. it's like hey we're gonna start a church at rahab yeah yay which is pretty cool <laughs> i mean honestly it really is a pretty cool idea yeah um yeah I, i've read him he's he's he's, he's interesting he's, he's cool he's okay to meet out in the rain when i met when i first started um i met jesus i prayed the prayer when i was young i was raised in a christian home i believe that jesus kept me Amen. i um I I received him when I was in college. That's when I opened my arms and said, I need you. Um, and then I didn't really know what to do with it. And then I've started being Francis Chan. And so I'm like, we got to go to Africa and live in a hut. Tanya, we can't have anything. We're going. And she was like, what just happened? You know what I mean? So, yeah, that, that was Francis Chan. But he was a very important first step for me to be like, this is a new life. Amen. Like you are a new person now. Amen. And let's actually look at what the Bible says and go do it. Do it. But that's cool. All right. Let me get you out of here on this. Okay. Um, last question. All right. And we've been talking about this for an hour, but we'll summarize it. I always ask everybody last question. Why do you love Jesus? Oh, my gosh. This is going to be another hour <laughs> podcast right here. 
I love Jesus because when I was still in my sin and he knew that I would be all messed up and he knew what I was coming to do because one of my favorite um, scriptures is all of them, but one <laughs> of my favorite is um, Jeremiah 1.5. What's that say? I, I knew you before I ever wove you together in your mother's womb hmm. and set you apart from the rest to be a prophet of my nations. What it does to my heart that God knew me before he ever formed me. He knew me, so he knew what was coming. Yeah, knew everything about you. And he still blew the breath of life in my lungs and has stayed by my side. And he's sitting here with me right now. No matter what I've done, his love never changed. Yeah. That is why I love Jesus. Because he got up and took a beating and carried his cross to the, to the place where he knew he would be humiliated, unrecognizable, and nailed to a cross to be mocked, all so that I could be saved. Mm-hmm. And then he's going to let me come to heaven and chop it up with yeah. him. Yeah. I think one of my favorite uh, thoughts in that is just that, like, it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Amen. And Timothy Keller would say, like, angel was his joy, right? You <laughs> were his joy. Amen. So on that cross, he thought of you and he me did. and other people. And, I mean, if that doesn't break you, that, like, the Savior of the world's getting killed by the people he came to save and what got him through that was not only his commitment to the Father, but, like, the joy set before him of, Amen. like, our redeemed lives, right? Yep. What a What a God. What a God. That's so cool. Well, angel, I appreciate your time. This was awesome. Yes. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me.